0: Have you ever thought about the health of your attachment or bond in the marital relationship? Well, today on the podcast, I'm talking with a dear friend, fellow counselor, Laura Bruce, who has her master's degree in clinical psychology with an emphasis in family and marriage therapy. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified in EMDR. And Laura has her own private practice. Today, we are diving into how to cultivate health within the marriage from a holistic perspective and why it's so important to look at the emotional bonding between husband and wife are you in a season where you're longing for more desiring inner peace hoping for more authenticity in relationships perhaps you're feeling unsettled inside like you know that God is calling you deeper, higher, and further than you've ever gone before. You are ready for change, and it's time for something to shift. But what is it? What's been missing? My name is Amber Todd. I am a Christian counselor, and I believe that you were never meant to live a disconnected, segmented life. You were created for connection, deep, authentic, healing connection, first within yourself because your mental, physical, and spiritual health is interconnected. This is why I love collaborating with doctors and like-minded holistic practitioners who honor God's design for our whole being to function and operate in harmony. Life Interconnected Podcast is an intentional space you can come to every week to receive encouragement, hope, and a fresh perspective on your internal world so that you better understand your thoughts and emotions and how to live a connected life. Join this movement of mindful believers who desire to grow in our faith and cultivate a holistic approach to health and wellness. Subscribe to the podcast today and share it with your friends. Welcome to Life Interconnected. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be be here with you. Yes, I am so excited that you're here. And for listeners, I want them to know that as counselors it's really important that we have counselor friends and so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i'm super thankful to have a friend like you who's in the trenches with me helping people and coming alongside others in the ways that i am yeah same <laughs> and i think it's so unique and special that you have a background in family and marriage therapy and i i know your heart in that but i would love for the audience to just hear kind of what your journey was to becoming interested in being a family and marriage therapist.
1: Yeah. Well, I I would say I really stumbled into the field of psychology in general. It was um it was a way I could stay at my university and graduate on time. And <laughs> I literally had friends that had that major and I could graduate on time. So I, you know, if you would have told freshman year me, I would be a therapist someday. I would have not believed you. So I really, (laughs) I really stumbled into the field, but I, I remember um, my junior year taking classes and um, really learning about families and how, um, you know, learning about the spectrum from disengaged families to enmeshed families and having a name for all of that and understanding um, systems how families and relationships often are kind of like machines um, that run certain ways, however dysfunctional <laughs> sometimes. But um, I think learning all all of those dynamics was really fascinating to me, and it and also just gave me like a curiosity um, to to be a learner um, of of relationships and um, and how and because of how important they are, and because of how um, how they shape and change us um, as humans. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I love that. And I, it it is fascinating. I feel the same way. And I, I don't think I realized how many different types of families there are, how many, even different types of marriages because of the systems that are at play and because of our own inner parts that are at play. I think you and I probably both see a wide variety of relational dynamics, and as from your experience, do you feel in light of that, is there a certain like theory or approach or framework that has been helpful to you as you've counseled married couples and families? Yeah,
1: um, I would say, um, EFT, which is short for emotionally focused therapy, um, has been. Um, pretty life changing in terms of the way that I view couples and the dynamics at play and what's going on. And um, I didn't, I didn't actually learn about that even when I was in grad school. I mean, I think I had heard about it, but mm-hmm. really, um, I really learned more when I was um, an intern getting my hours and did a training. And I saw, you know, just how powerful um, it, it it could be to work with couples in this way with using emotion, with using attachment language, with really getting them to understand um, that they are caught in a, in a cycle um, and learning how to um, almost first to deescalate that cycle and get them to understand the moves that they were making in that cycle. And then to get them to re-engage with each other in safe and connected ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I, and I think for me, um, like statistically, I, I think the statistics are something like, uh, couples who go through EFT, there's, there's an 80%, um, success rate, which is just crazy in the field of marriage wow. counseling. Mm-hmm. So, um, that even, you know, just on paper, there's something about it that works. And I think, I think there's also like, um, there's a, a greater or I'm sorry, a, a less chance of couples returning to therapy because of nailing down some of those, you know, foundational skills that EFT teaches.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's amazing to think about. That's, that's a huge statistic, especially in light of, you know, you look at the divorce statistics, mm-hmm. you know, even inside and outside of the church, um, unfortunately is pretty similar and what do you think with about eft what is it that makes the difference knowing some of these other modalities that we use for like maybe individual counseling um wh- why do you think that, that that approach is more effective
1: yeah i think um i think because eft is about creating and strengthening an um, an emotional bond mm. and and you know And some, you know, some, you know, different styles of counseling will teach you how to communicate better or how to argue differently. And, you know, there are some skills to that that are like great and wonderful, Um, but really getting, getting couples to see that um, like, just, just as a parent child relationship needs nurturing and soothing and protection, we continue to need that as a as an adult hmm. um and that our partner um that there there is a longing for all of us to have a safe haven with our partner to have
0: mm-hmm.
1: um to have a place of of true safety and i think that i think eft really teaches you know what what kind of responses um block connection in that way and how how to how to regain that sort of connection. And I think just even like um, just the principles of like responsiveness and attunement and repair. I think, I think EFT does a wonderful job um, teaching that because I don't, I don't think a lot of that, a lot of us don't learn those things always naturally in the families that we grew up in. And so um, thank God, empathy can be a skill that we learn <laughs> yeah. over time and that we exercise just like a muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it is just understanding that there is there is a bond here that's really important mm-hmm. um, that is um, you know, and and with EFT the the book, that I like to use created for connection. You know, it talks about how we're, wi- we're hardwired for survival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that continues, you know, like in
0: adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's so interesting what you're describing with words like attachment and bonding, you know, typically most people think of that as like a parent child bond and I love just even the categories that you gave of like nurturing, soothing protection again in our culture, like there's so much pride in being independent and maybe a lot of you listening um, didn't necessarily get that at home. You didn't get a lot of nurturing or soothing or protection. And so in some ways, if you grew up in a, in a home that wasn't as focused on the bonding, the attachment, and maybe it was more focused on being obedient um, or, you know, sort of the phrase, like, just do what I say, because I said, so, um, when there's a lack of that emotional connection, I'm wondering if then people go into adulthood, is it that they, do you think it's that they don't think they need it or they don't know how to offer that to a partner when they get into an adult relationship?
1: I I think both, I think both of those would be, would be true. Um, and, and typically, um, you know, there eft talks about you know three typical patterns um usually there's like a a demand withdrawal pattern where one partner is more um critical or or demanding something and which causes the other partner to withdraw um or there can be kind of like a fight fight pattern <laughs> where uh-huh. uh, that that kind of you know one partner might be critical and kind of re-engages the other one to put up their dukes and fight back. And then the other one is withdrawal withdrawal where both people aren't fighting anymore. So they're like in the same room, but there's yeah. no, there's not even a fight left because they've both kind of silently given up mm. on the relationship. And, yeah. and so just, just understanding that um, a lot of times, you know, when there's, disconnection people learn how to armor up and what's needed is just to slow down and really speak to the emotion and the vulnerability that's happening under underneath because that's what the partner is not seeing they're only seeing they're seeing the anger they're seeing the criticism but they're not seeing like the deep pain and the deep attachment longings that are underneath that pain and right. so a lot of the work of EFT is bringing that up to the surface and it really surprises partners because they're like oh you you do care about me mm-hmm. you are sad you are longing for me all i see is like the anger or all i see is the withdrawal and i'm basing the moves that i make based on what I see. And so, you know, just the importance of bringing up that emotional experience, I think that is a great teacher um, to people to, to recognize that they do need um, and that, um, and that there are ways of expressing that um, yeah.
0: in, in attuned ways to their partner. Right. And, and, I think as I hear you say that, what comes to my mind is a difference between hard emotions and soft emotions. And I I think this is something that I learned from you just in our conversation. Like how, how would you describe that when you're telling me that sometimes couples are communicating, but especially if it's one of those um, demand or fight, fight patterns, where there's a lot of anger, maybe Mm -hmm. a lot of yelling, like what is really underneath that and mm-hmm. like what's the difference between those two types of emotions yeah well
1: I I just was thinking one of the videos that they show um in EFT is um is called it's actually an attachment video I, I believe from the 70s I could be getting that wrong but <laughs> about the still face experiment and mm-hmm. that's with a parent and a child um kind of showing how they're like lovingly engaging with each other. And then they tell the mom to have a still face. She turns around and she turns back to her infant and she's like stone face. And you see the infant like automatically notice the disconnection. And you see the infant starting to like wave her hands and try to get bigger or scream or Mm. point to try to re-engage the partner in some way. And then eventually the, the infant becomes, you know, really dysregulated and starts kind of like shutting down. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when I think about sometimes for people, like when they get critical, there's really an attachment, um, protest underneath that for them to like, there's something wrong between us. Like I need to get bigger. I need to get louder. I need you to see me, Mm. Um, you know, without, and the partner not not really even like noticing or like understanding that that's what's underneath there is a, a deep longing because of a sense of a disconnection
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: you know i i think i think about anger as a secondary emotion to like hurt or fear um you know or you know just being in pain a lot of the time and how yeah. um there's you know anger triggers you know, your own fight or flight system to come up, but you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to to be in connection when you're in fight or flight. It's hard to slow down and think about reaching for each other in those moments. And so I think that's what EFT teaches people is how to slow down and really process what's happening inside of them and inside their bodies and inside, you know you know, sometimes for people who who don't have maybe great emotional vocabulary or um, maybe aren't in tune with that, we start with how what they're feeling in their bodies, and we start describing and naming that. Oftentimes, that can open up uh, their emotional experience and and get them to have a, an awareness and understanding of what they're feeling just by describing you know, like sensations that they're, that they're feeling that can lead to some of those things.
0: Mm. That That is so fascinating because that's obviously on, on the life interconnected podcast, we talk a lot about like mind, body, spirit connection. So what you're saying is that in a marriage, that when there is tension or conflict, that often people will experience like physical symptoms too like exude that. How would you describe like the mind body connection when it comes to just a person's health or even marital health? Yeah. Well, I, I
1: was just thinking as you were saying that, like, I think I often comment on body language that I see in the room because, you know, our, I don't remember the statistic of how much our communication is nonverbal, but I think people aren't even aware of like how they're communicating in their bodies, different signals, Uh different cues, you know, to their, to their partner. So I think all of that, you know, we, we respond to what we see and, and, and um, aren't really aware of like always the information that we're giving. And so, yeah, just recognizing that all of that is connected and even, even pointing that out helps people to kind of, be able to name their experience, you know, like if they're crossing their arms or if they're like turning or sighing, I might comment on that to, to, to kind of deepen their emotional experience because there is a connection mm-hmm. there that's happening for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is interesting. I often, when I'm first working with a couple, you know, sort of just watching their organic way of interacting as they're telling their story and I'm kind of getting to know them, but I'm also watching it, how they look at each other and the expressions they're making and their intonation and their voice and their body language. And, and, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like, I feel like a lot of couples come into therapy and sort of maybe their expectation is like, it's me versus you. Like this therapist Mm -hmm. is going to tell us who's right, who's wrong. Then there's going to be a winner. And someone's going to be proved, you know. Oh,
1: yeah. And I often have uh, one one member of the couple glance at me
0: to, to almost say, <laughs> see, see see what's happening. Right. Here. right? Yeah. And that like, so being put in that position as a counselor, you know, that's one of the first things I clarify, you know, this is not my role. Like, I am not your judge. They're, we're not walking away as someone as a winner and someone as a loser. Like, I think that's the biggest thing I love about Creative for Connection and the EFT model is like. We work really hard as therapists to help unite the couple. And it's the, it's the two of you together, united versus your unhealthy pattern. Right. And so talk about that. Like what, why is that so powerful if we can unite them and face one of those three patterns that you described? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
1: think, I think when we put external blame on the cycle, it offers a less defensive look for each partner to look at the moves that they're making in that mm-hmm. dance. And I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think people sometimes, yeah, go into, go into counseling thinking, Oh, I'm going to, like the therapist is going to blame me or, you know, and I, and I just, I love that. um, I love that aspect of EFT where it's really saying like, it's the cycle that's, you know, destroying, you know, this bond right now. And if we can zoom out, and start really looking at the moves. And again, we just start by describing. I'm always just like, what and what happened then? And then what and then what'd you do? And you know, I'm just <laughs> trying to get, you know, I'm just trying to get them to describe and pull out first. Mm-hmm. And then we can kind of go back in and talk about the emotions that they're experiencing. But I I think it offers like a a, a, a less defensive way at being able to recognize because i think i think people get into these dances and they pull on each other and mm-hmm. they have no they're really unaware mm-hmm. they're really unaware of their position in the dance and they're really unaware of how that impacts their partner and so so it's it's really eye opening i think to recognize oh yeah like when i am critical and i am demanding like that is scary for my partner and and now I can kind of have maybe some empathy for maybe why they would want to draw away or why mm-hmm. my tone or you know something like that would make it hard for them to want to reach for me in those moments. Right. So I think all of that is just great awareness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is so eye-opening when a couple identifies their own pattern. And you know, usually I'll start, you know, even just when they describe the most recent conflict they had. And then over time, as I hear about more and more conflicts and more and more issues, it's like, I get this bird's eye view of, wow, like, do you see these pieces of the pattern? When you do this, then he does that, or he does this, and then you do this. And I think not only identifying the pattern is powerful, but then like describe the importance of like personal ownership and like contribution in the pattern. Like once you see the pattern, And we've come to the conclusion it's not one person's fault. Like, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it takes, it takes great courage to own your moves in the dance. And yet, man, it can be so healing um, Mm -hmm. for yourself and for your partner as well to hear you validating what, how, the impact of that on their experience. Yeah. And, 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 that that alone I think softens someone to being more willing to re-engage or being more willing, that softening that happens when people mm-hmm. own their moves or when they hear their partner owning their moves. It's like, oh wow, like you're finally seeing me. You're you're finally seeing the impact on this. And again, like I think that that being seen um is mm-hmm. is such a important aspect of of couples work and, 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 of EFT. Um, and so I just think when, when there is ownership, um, it can be pretty life-changing because, you know, again, defensiveness is out of self-protection and we're trying to rewire for connection. And so I think that ownership provides mm. that bridge, you know, to, to start, um, Using using more responsiveness or using more attunement, and even just the honesty um, involved in that moment, I think is really powerful and healing.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh man, so many things you just said just hit home for me. I think first of all, that last piece you said about using responsiveness and using attunement—like you and I know what that means—but for people who maybe don't have that skill like give some examples of what does it mean to be responsive or attuned to your spouse? Mm, Yeah. Well, I think
1: I, uh, my brain goes back to that still face video of when the mother and the child are playing together and you see, you see like the, the baby doing something and the mom kind of doing the same thing, like in playfulness, you know? So you're, you're kind of like almost mirroring each other Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, and, 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 and it's almost like this, uh, EFT talks a lot about like the metaphor of a dance and it's almost like this coordinated dance that you're kind of with me and you're experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think when we get to that level of emotion and we have, um, someone who's just using empathy to say, you know, to not even it's, it's not for the sake of Um, like solving anything or explaining anything, but just reflecting back someone's experience, like Mm -hmm. that's attunement, you know, reflecting back someone's experience and, and connecting through that. And again, that, that being seen, and I think responsiveness is just um, is offering care. And that again, it's not fixing or it's not, um, it's not even necessarily explaining whole lot. It's just, it's just being there and being with, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, um, and someone really kind of taking away that feeling from an interaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that description of like being there and being with, because I think, again, this is one of the first things I do with couples is I teach them how to reflectively listen and empathetically respond. And, I'm going to say this to you, husbands, especially men are wired to fix things. And so typically if your wife is struggling, you, of course, you don't want her to be in pain. You want to take it away. You want to come with a solution. And so many times we, as women, we just want to be heard. We want our pain to be witnessed and to be validated. And so I just really try to help couples like slow down and so again, empathetic listening is what we do all the time as therapists, but it's learning to have that skill in the marriage, which is, you know, your spouse shares something difficult. I mean, they're struggling with something they're sad or upset or angry about. And rather than having a solution, you pause. And that, And as you're saying, like you say, oh, of course, that feels really heavy. You know, you've been working so hard and you're really looking forward to it. And yeah, it's really disappointing that it's not happening or oh i'm so sorry that that you're going through this i can understand why you're feeling angry about it that situation at work so notice like the first response being empathy now why do you think empathy is so important before going into problem solving like what happens when couples skip that piece
1: yeah um i i think that when when couples skip that piece um, the person sharing often feels dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, they often feel like, you, they often feel like something is missed here. And like, that's maybe not what I was wanting from you. Again, like EFT is talking about, we're wanting our person to be this safe haven for us. We're, we're wanting just a safe landing place to bring all parts of ourselves to the table mm-hmm. um, and for those to be accepted and, and cared for. Um, and so I think, um, yeah when we and I, you know as you were saying that I thought I was like oh that's interesting like I feel like and I don't know I don't know statistically but I think as as moms maybe we maybe we want to fix our kids <laughs> more mm-hmm. instead of like empathizing I, I mean and that's probably goes for husbands too sometimes but I was just thinking yeah when when our loved one is in pain of course we want to get them out of that experience mm-hmm. um there's a part of that that is you know like, a beautiful intention. It's just mm-hmm. that it's not always what is needed in those, those moments, you know, what's yeah. needed. We can kind of redirect our brains a little bit more if we feel like someone is with us where we become more open to solution or thinking outside of the box if we feel like someone is with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so key in a healthy marriage is that my partner is with me. They are for me. And even just this underlying sense of friendship and partnership in that, Mm -hmm. I think I see a lot of couples in like the imbalance of someone being more parental, you know, like a mother son dynamic, especially, I feel like I see a lot with women who are more dominant. And again, I, I am a strong leader as a woman and, and I think that that's a good and beautiful thing. I think we just have to be careful. Like for me, I would say the first like six or seven years of um, Nate in my marriage, like, I felt like I was just kind of in this role of like trying to help him or guide him or push him or fix him. And I wasn't doing it consciously. It was just the nature of my personality and feeling like I kind of had to grow up fast and had to take on, you know, responsibilities and things that you know, most kids didn't at a young age. And, um, I think because of that, I went into marriage thinking I'd do the same. And I feel like, you know, our breakthrough year, I would say like year seven where all of that sort of like, you know, came to a crossroads. My big shift was, Oh, like, I just want to be like true partners. And I want to be alongside him in this. I want to understand how he's feeling. I want to empathize. I want to, Um, as scripture says, like one another. And I think what you're describing to me is like, when we can learn to do that, when we can accept our partners fully as they are, even knowing we're all in process, right? We're all in this journey, but if we can really accept each other at a core level, it's so much easier to empathize. It's so much easier to be compassionate. If I believe that it's not my job to fix or change my partner. Yeah. And don't you see, like, I feel like a lot of couples are stuck. I think that's one place where they get stuck is that one partner thinks they need to fix or change their spouse. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, when couples get into that negative cycle, it's about, you know, again, they've, they've also like taken on these positions, um, in in that whole dance but it's also like it's for the pursuer it's it's learning to soften their stance and for the one who maybe is withdrawing it's learning how to engage them more Mm -hmm. and you know if, if you are continuing to work on creating safety for them they'll both continue to be mindful that that is something that's needed for, mm-hmm. for more safety in in the relationship.
0: Yeah. See, that's such a good example because it's again, both partners taking ownership, both partners, as you say, extending their hands, reaching for each other. That it's not just on one person to like fix the imbalance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think that's, what's like felt empowering in our marriage journey is that I feel like you know, we've learned how to move toward one another and to even just give each other space, like in, in seasons where one of us is wrestling with something or maybe going through doing deep inner work through childhood stuff or dealing, you know, with relational conflict, even outside of um, the home. Yeah. I I just think that could be called that like um, differentiation, like Mm, mm -hmm. just the process of couples Learning to be okay and secure in their own identity identity individually, but also yet still stay united and connected right. with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What happens when a couple becomes too enmeshed? Like what do you see when there's maybe a lack of differentiation? Hmm. Yeah,
1: well, I think I think um there can be a lot of care. And affection, um, in a mesh couples, but there's, there is sometimes that lack of separateness or that lack of individuality Mm -hmm. that is, is necessary for health. And, you know, then there can be some codependency happening there where you, you know, you have to feel what I feel. You have to think what I think you have to believe exactly what I believe. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and instead of, um, really learning to, celebrate some of the unique aspects of each, you know, each, each other's personality and, um and things like that. So I think sometimes it can, it can look like, sometimes it can look like control, you know, of wanting, wanting to be the same or feeling like you have to be the same or that you have to have uh maybe, maybe even harmony all the time, but recognizing, um recognizing the, the importance of um, us all allowing to each other to be our own unique individual persons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that in the context of like the season of life that you're in, because I'd also say there's like many different seasons of marriage. Like when I look at again, on our experience, it's like I look at the season that we were in and sort of the big shifts that happened in our relationship and now, you know, being um, married 14 years and having four kids and living in three different states. Um, I think I appreciate the growth over time and and recognize like each of those seasons challenged us as a couple and pushed us towards digging into what we're talking about more deeply. And I'm curious to hear like for you, like for you and Matt, what does that look like just in different seasons of marriage and what have maybe been some of your takeaways of how you guys have grown? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Cause we've recently
1: <laughs> talked about that in our own therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. Reflecting back. I mean, you, gosh, you think about what all can happen in the course mm-hmm. of a marriage. People are, people are getting master's degrees or changing jobs or having children, all, all the different change in a, and dynamics that relationships go through throughout the years or a move or, you know, all, you know, all of that. And I think what I'm learning is that, um, you know, sometimes even those positions like of being the pursuer or with, or the or the, you know, or, or maybe someone who is not attuned to their spouse in a certain season because of pursuing education or mm-hmm. being in, caught up in the chaos of kids, you know, like, I think, I think for a lot of couples, they learn, Oh, I, I'm not, I'm just going to like take this need and it's not going to be as big of a deal or I'm just, I just have to learn how to carry this need on my own Mm -hmm. Um, through, you know, through difficult seasons of change, Sometimes it's just what we feel like we have to do to get by. And it's just kind of recognizing, um, you know in different seasons one person can be like pursuing or trying to get the other one's attention a little bit more and the other person might be more preoccupied and um just to know you know like I think for us we're recognizing it's still been important to go back and talk about those seasons and talk about what's going on and what was happening Hmm. in us and us and for both of us to show um empathy and pain about how that um how that, you know, how our partner was impacted by those different seasons. And so, you know, I I think that's the beautiful work of repair is that repair can be, I mean, a, it's just vital. And even EFT or, you know, John Gottman, you know, would say like, it doesn't matter how often you fight, if you know how to repair well, that's significant for a healthy relationship. So I think, you know, even if there have been seasons, um, just to know like you can always go back and, you know, you can always go back and do this work even and repair. And, and that still can make your marriage stronger Mm. today to revisit a difficult moment, to revisit a time period where you felt disconnected, where you felt like you were really trapped in a negative cycle, that there can still be healing now for you um, in that.
0: Mm. Wow. That's really good because I think about seasons when, you know, you feel like you're drowning and you don't have much capacity for yourself, let alone like, you know, cultivating marriage. Like you can feel like you're just in survival mode. And I I love that concept of like revisiting and reflecting. And I think it's a good rhythm to have, like whether it's like quarterly, you know, yearly. I mean, obviously even of course, as we've talked about in the podcast, weekly connection, um, intentional time as it, you know, a date, or even if it's after the kids are down or just having some sort of heart to heart, eye to eye um, connection is, is huge. And I think having these rhythms just help us just like we would take our car to go get our oil change. Right. It's like this, as you're describing it, I would call it a growth mindset around marriage that you're not stuck in, in, and we don't put things in label as like good marriage, bad marriage. It's like, okay, what season are you in? and how have things been going? Like what's working, what's not working? And what do we need to change? And I think that's all of these different areas of marriage that can be applied to whether it's like mental emotional connection or even even physical connection. Like having a growth mindset in those areas, knowing that you're not stuck as a couple. Like you can always press in, you can always repair, you can always reach out for help. That you know, it's it's never too late to do those things.
1: Yeah, and I think I think um you know I can't I think it's around seven years, you know, that they say a lot of couples end up, you know, divorcing and um I'm just thinking of you know couples I know who are in the throes of having careers and having kids and busy schedules. And it's like, yeah, where's the margin to pursue my partner. And yet I think oftentimes that we have misprioritized, you know, like the, our need for that. And, um, you know, even just, even just doing, you know, small baby steps, like scheduling Mm -hmm. a night away in the same city, even, you know, just to prioritize your partner or to, yeah, to pursue to pursue them in some way. I think sometimes all of that can get put on the back burner. Um, but just recognizing the importance of, of how a safe Haven can get us through life's greatest challenges. If we feel like there's a sense of connection and responsiveness with a loving partner, how, um, how that changes the way that we view threats. And I remember reading in the EFT book they were talking about um, couples who would hold hands um, mm-hmm. prior to going through therapy that they would shock one of the couples and I don't I don't know how intense <laughs> that was, I think at least to be painful and but they would register like, Um, they would register holding their partner's hands at making no difference at before going through therapy. And then they did the same experiment with couples after going through EFT and them talking about being less fearful when someone was holding their hand, you know, uh, knowing that they are approaching like a painful thing. And I just think, wow, like that is so incredible to know the, the power of of having a, a connected, um, connected partner in that, right. but that can actually impact the way that
0: we view future threats. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's symbolic on so many levels of like just the power of knowing someone's in it with you, mm-hmm. that you're not alone. And I, I love that, the phrase that you've used of becoming a safe haven for your partner. And it just makes me wonder, you know, I always love to kind of throw out some reflection questions, like just for people listening today to think about like, what's the level of emotional safety right now in the relationship? Like, what's the degree that you feel bonded to your spouse currently? You know, would you describe your spouse as a safe haven for you? Do you feel like you're a safe haven for them? And maybe that's something just to kind of reflect on this week. Absolutely. set aside some intentional time to debrief or would you add like any other um, questions to reflect on or just practical like tips or advice that you would give couples who are seeking growth?
1: Yeah, I I was just going to add, you know, one of the things that I think is really powerful and has stuck with me um, about EFT is there that she talks about three questions um, for safety. And one of those is the question is, do I matter? do I feel like I matter to you um are you there for me do I feel like you're really going to like I can depend on you um you know for needs to be met and and the third is when I have a need will you respond you know so it's asking about what is that what is that level of responsiveness and so i think you know and lo- and a lot of um a lot of those cycles couples are asking themselves those questions. And Mm -hmm. I think if that's, if that's a no, you know, that, that is an invitation to, to, to visit some things, you know, to visit how, how can we increase our connection? Like maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe our, maybe our like marriage isn't on fire, but maybe like, we just know that we're not connected in the way that we want to be. And, and maybe Mm -hmm. that, maybe that could be incredibly powerful to to feel like I can answer yes to those questions. Mm.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, the encouragement is that if that's how you're feeling, you're not stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, you can always move towards this. And I think in every season, as we're talking about, when you shift into a different season or you go through a transition as a family, I think it's good to think about like, how can we cultivate these things in this new season? Because maybe your capacity changes. Maybe your financial situation has changed. Maybe the amount of time, of quality time you get together has changed. So how can we pivot and be intentional, knowing that like our marital connection is an investment and it's an investment that will well reap what you sow into it.
1: Yeah. And I I would say too um, that doing this work has been um, so meaningful. And I I feel like when you can, when you can notice a couple who felt, who answered those questions with no, and for them to have hope and for them to have, you know, this, these longings and this connection again, you know, like reignited in their Mm -hmm. spirit. I mean, it's just, there's, there's nothing, um, I just feel so proud, I think, to be involved in that work in those moments, because it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to offer that, um, to, to be able to offer and teach that sort of connection.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately, I know both of us recognize the power of, you know, Christ being at the center of covenant. And when that's the case, it feels like that is the well of hope that we can Mm. draw from that Mm -hmm. repair and building this bond and pivoting things can, it can feel daunting and it can feel like something that you're striving towards. But when you actually surrender, when you even individually move towards God, I mean, as you do that, you come towards one another. And I have just seen just, you know, miraculous things shift around and, and, and many couples find hope that maybe they had lost just because of their willingness to be humble and to say, you know what, like we are going to push through and fight for our marriage because it is worth it and it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura, would you add, are there any resources or books um, or anything that you would recommend for people who are looking for more support?
1: Yeah, well, since we've mentioned it a thousand times <laughs> like the, the created for connection by Sue Johnson, um, book is a, a powerful tool and that that's, you know, that's integrating faith There there's a hold me tight edition. If faith isn't a resource to you. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, that's those two books, um, are, are, wonderful. And, um, I would say too that, um, there's a, a book called The Origins of You um, mm. by Vienna. Uh, I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce her name, <laughs> right? Her Instagram is mindful MFT, but um, just really understanding attachment, understanding attachment wounds that what, that we might bring into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That would be another great resource. And a, another one would be um, How We Love by Mylan and Kay Yurkovich.
0: Mm. Love it. These are all incredible resources. Well, we really appreciate your time and wisdom and expertise. And I'm continually learning from you as, you know, I know we're both in this journey in our own marriages, right? It's like this lifelong process. And I'm, I'm thankful for your friendship and your support and for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes. All right we'll see you on the next episode. Here's a sneak peek for next week's episode. We are going to be continuing this conversation about marital health, and you will get to hear from my most favorite person in the whole world, my husband, Nathan Todd. Nate and I are going to be discussing all that we've learned in these 14 years of marriage, and we can't wait to share with you next week. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. I want you to know that God sees you. You are loved, valued, and important. If this podcast helped you, it would mean so much if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and text or post a screenshot with your friends who can join our mindful movement of believers. Let's live intentionally as God designed life to be interconnected. I'm cheering for you. We are in this together, and I look forward to next time.